Welcome to The Pastor and the Witch, recorded here in Muncie, Indiana. And my name is Jordan, but people call me, are starting to call me Jordy. And I'm here with my sexy, a little bit pissed off husband right now. Yeah, I'm a little upset. <laughs> we won't get into that, though. What's your name? Oh, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're having a... Uh, Water issues. Yay, Muncie. Yeah. Yeah, fuck all water issues. They suck. But anyway, today we're going to talk about a couple things. Yep, we're going to talk about suicide, religion, and what was it? The church. The church, <laughs> of course. The church. How could I miss that one? Not the band, the church. That band is awesome. awesome. Yeah. I wish I could have played in that band. There's like several bands. I know I always like tell you new bands every week. I'm like, I wish I could have played in this band. I wish I could have played in Motorhead. I wish I could have played in Black Sabbath. I wanna. I wish I could play in Leonard Skinner. That would have been rad. Let's not get into bands, babe. Let's oh, get to the point. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I could have played in the church too, like that band. That would have been rad. <laughs> I do like that band a lot. Yeah. All right, babe. I would like to play in Jane's Addiction, too. That would have been cool. <laughs> and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Like, nobody would know you. You just, like, sit there and play guitar, and, like, all the spotlight would be on Tom, which would be awesome. Yeah. So you don't have to, like, do any stupid shit. Just play. Okay, yeah. All right, never mind. Getting sidetracked. So, um, we, I had to do, actually, in a, what got us talking about suicide was I had to do an assignment, um, for grad school about uh is suicide ever rational and uh, you know i don't think it, the idea of the assignment was to get you to think it wasn't necessarily like coming to a an actual conclusion so jordan and i started talking i started asking her about suicide and just kind of telling her some of my feelings on that and in the assignment, though, I talked about two documentaries that I had watched. One is called The Bridge, which is a very controversial documentary. Um, I don't really necessarily recommend watching it because it's pretty hard. And I, I told you about that, haven't I, babe? Like the, the context of that documentary? I'm not sure, honestly. Because the context babe. was a lie. So. Oh, yeah. Is that the one where you had to do... Yeah. Yeah, so the, the context of that documentary was these filmmakers basically approached the city of San Francisco and they said hey we want to film just the culture that the Golden Gate Bridge attracts and we just want to film that and really what they were doing is they were that bridge attracts a lot of suicides and I think it's like one every other week you know on, on average and what they would do is they would sit at the bottom of the bridge and they would zoom in and they would watch people and there's actually some very like all these people had some very similar things that they would do they would pace 
they would go up there and they'd look distraught. And over the course of, I think it was six weeks or something, they filmed, I think there was 12 suicides, but one person survived. And he was um, paraplegic after. And, uh, and he's on there. But then they go and talk to some of these family members of the, the victims. And it's, it's uh, I mean, it's crazy because it's all different age groups, all different ethnicities, elderly, young, white, black, Middle Eastern. You know, it, it's just, but the other one is a documentary called How to Die in Oregon. That documentary was about 1994, Oregon became the first state to legalize basically medically assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know we've talked about. Yeah, we talked about that a few weeks back. Dr. Jack Kevorkian. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was from Michigan, close to Indiana, and when all that was going on. He's dead now, right? Yeah, he's dead. He lived to be a, a really old age, but, you know, he, he did time in prison because he did medically assisted suicide. So, we started talking about suicide, and one, you know, the rationality of suicide. Um, but also how the church views suicide and just how, how we as individuals view suicide. So this is what this episode is going to be about. Yeah. Well, to begin, I saw something not too long ago. It was um, a chamber, basically, for people who want to commit suicide, you know, like medically or whatever. Yeah. And um, But it was, like, all decked out, and it was, like, it was wicked looking and it was like purple and shiny and I don't know. It was neat, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like it's one of those things when someone's old or sick and you know, with, I don't know. And there it's like, there's no way they're going to get better. Yeah. I can see, you know, I know it and it's again, not anyone's choice, but I think with that it's different. Yeah. Well, you know, that documentary, How to Die in Oregon, one of their their sayings is like, it's really to die with dignity, mm-hmm. you know? And it, that documentary starts out by this elderly white man in a bed in his living room, surrounded by family. And when they do this medically assisted suicide, you get these capsules, you break them open, you put them into um, a bowl, and then you mix them with water. And I think, if I remember correctly, within the first 30 seconds of drinking it, you go into a coma. Within 60 seconds, you're dead. But mm-hmm. to do it legally, they have to ask two questions um, at, at the time right before. And one is, um, you, do you understand that you can stop this right now? You, you don't have to follow through and end your life right now. And the person says yes. And then the other one is... Um, what is the other one? Like, do you know that this will end your life? And they say, yes. And But they ask this guy, they say, do you know what will happen if you take this? And he says, yes, I'll, I'll die and I'll be happy. Hmm. And they keep talking. And at one point he says, just give me the goddamn drink so I can die and be happy. And his family's around him. And he's, you know, he was in, I'm assuming cancer, I can't remember, but just extreme excruciating pain and you know, he's singing as he dies. And the camera is, like, right up on his face. Wow. Yeah. So, to me, though, 
You know, like I, I totally understand why people do that. It, what scares me about it is though, like to be in that position to where mentally, you know. Yeah. Like I kind of got goosebumps when you were telling that story. Cause just like, even if you are ready, like what's that like? Even if you are 85, 90 years old or you're in pain and dying, just the thought of when they ask you that question, like, you know, that yeah. you will die and you will not wake up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like to, like, this is the, this is it, you know? I mean, like, so like, are, are you afraid to die? Yes and no. Cause when I think of death, I think of just the people I love and that love me, you know, like I think of their pain and I don't want to leave my kids, you know, that's obviously the number one. Like, I don't yeah. want to leave my kids. I don't want them to grow up without me. Yeah. You know, that's my fear of dying. And I, I am afraid of a painful death, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I, you know, I understand that death is a natural part of life, though. Yeah, I mean, it's like that, that common, you know, scenario where like you want to live to be an old age, but then most people, I don't know what age necessarily like I have to deal with a whole other aspect of being Mm -hmm. at an old age but they've got to live a life but then the other side of that is people that die abruptly like say like in a car accident or you know random act of violence like it's happened it happens and then life is over with like out of nowhere I don't think there's a better one you know it's not like I feel comfortable with either yeah I don't want to die in a car accident. I don't want to die in a plane crash. Me either. I don't want to die a violent death. I don't want to die Yeah. like a, I don't know, you know, like a tragic. Do you know one time, uh, this is when Kent and Christine first moved out to Portland. Portland has like all these festivals and they were having this, uh, some kind of like microbrew festival and there was like bands playing. And they, they walked down there because they knew they were going to be drinking. This is before they had kids. And they're walking back, and I forget what bridge they were on. And there's a dude standing up on the bridge getting ready to jump. And uh, I don't know. I think when they were there originally, the cops weren't there yet. And then the cops got called, and the guy ended up coming down. But I remember Christine telling the cop, like, hey, because she was telling me this story. She was like, I, I just want to give that guy a hug. And the cop was like, that guy needs more than a hug. You know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a very famous suicide. Did I ever tell you about that? In uh, in P- Portland that happened in the 90s? Maybe. So the Iron Bridge in Portland is like, it's that like gothic looking bridge that it can re- like. Yeah, I remember. And- we didn't cross it but we saw it yeah, right you can like walk like on like whatever that's called like waterfront park or whatever okay yeah so it's by like where we were riding those scooters mm-hmm. but there were these two um heroin addicts and they were young they weren't kids but they could really be considered kids i think they were in their early 20s at the most and they were boyfriend and girlfriend they were heroin addicts uh, i remember the story and they tried to get clean you know tried to stop couldn't stop so they made this suicide pact and just uh in the early evening they went down 
and they jumped off that bridge, they hung themselves. Hmm. But the other issue of that was they, in their backpacks, they had suicide notes written. But the bodies hung there for like 45 minutes, and there's a commuter train, like the TriMet, that goes right through there. And there's all these people driving by or riding by on the trains, and these bodies are just hanging there. Wow. But they, in the suicide notes, they said that they wanted to end their lives because they no longer wanted to live the life of a drug addict, and they knew they couldn't stop. Damn. Yeah. That's heavy. And addiction is such a huge problem. Yeah. And there's nothing in place. Yeah, and I think, like, addiction, like, when you think about suicide and the mentality that somebody is experiencing... I remember one time, this pissed me off so bad. So do you remember how like in high school they used to have like army recruiters and people like that come in and talk to you? Well, they had this Marine recruiter and he was like really high up, right? And he had like, he was retired, but like what he did was go around and talk in high schools and try to get people to join. Get people to join. So he was like, I don't know what he was, but he was, he, at one point for a long time in his career was a drill sergeant. This guy was like in his fifties and, you know, I was in high school. I think I was a freshman. So Kurt Cobain had committed suicide the year before mm-hmm. and he opens up talking about Heaven's Gate cult. Do you remember Heaven's Gate cult? Mm-hmm. They all had like the, the, the guy was a eunuch and, um, oh, yeah. they all had those like Nike shoes on. They, they mm-hmm. had to like commit suicide so they could get it was like a spaceship, spaceship or something. behind Haley's comment yeah yeah yep. so that had just happened and he's he opened up talking about that and then he referenced Kurt Cobain he said yeah Kurt Cobain and he said like what a chicken shit way to go out and like immediately I'm like dude fuck you you know like this guy that's all about he was like referencing burning down villages and stuff it was like a really weird thing to have hmm. in a high school setting but you know Obviously, didn't know Kurt Cobain, you know, and but the idea of a heroin addict not being in the right mind, um, not that I condone it, you know. Right, but I just don't think, I don't know, when it comes to someone's mind and just your body's response to things especially when your mind is not well. I just think it can, no one can understand it unless they actually have, yeah, have been there, you know, yeah. because the mind is a very powerful thing. It really is. And there are people out there who are more prone to anxiety and depression and, uh, you know, and obviously addiction. But I think all of that stuff goes together Yeah, and, and this can go into a whole other conversation, but, and I don't want to get like political, but there's no system set in place to help people with addiction. It's just, you know, throwing them in jail and just giving them a charge and not helping. Yeah. Um, there's a huge mental illness problem in the United States as well. And I think that it's just, that's a huge part of suicide, you know? I, I, I think it will, <clears throat> due to COVID. I think it'll get worse. Yeah. You're already seeing it, you know, uh, overdose deaths went up in America. The consumption of alcohol 
just from a retail perspective, sales went up 55% during the lockdown. Damn. So people were just drinking. And like for an addict, the worst thing you can do is isolate. And that's what everybody had to do, you know? Yeah. Isolate. The worst thing you can do when you have poor mental health is isolate, you know? And never before had like AA meetings outside of war have they been shut down. And, you know, a lot of them went virtual, which wasn't, it was the best that you could do, but. Well, I know like before COVID, I was going to counseling because counseling's helpful, I think. Oh, yeah. And I had, I've been going for a while, so I had went down to like every other week and then COVID happened. And I think I went like a couple times when we had to wear a mask in, you know? Yeah. Or no, I don't even know. I, I think so. I can't remember. But anyway, she called and like gave me the option to go virtual, like to do Zoom. And I was just like, no, because it's just not the same, you know. And I'm not I, I it's not like I was suicidal or anything, you know, because I wasn't. But I can't imagine me feeling like that. And then to someone who really needs counseling, you mm, know, and yeah. needs it in order to get through like their day or their week or whatever. Yeah. I can't imagine like the fear behind that. Well, I think it's um, when you start talking about suicide and the rationality of it and how it's uh, in some sense, I, I never want to say it's okay. And I don't even want to say it's an option because I, I would hate for somebody to get the idea that it is okay because I don't think it is. Not because I think of like the idea that if you commit suicide, you go to hell. I don't think that. But that the idea that for most cases, outside of like terminally ill, mm-hmm. there's always a chance that it will get better. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. That's where, you know, the church, um, I mean, the Catholic church has a stance on suicide, but the Protestant church. What um, is, honestly, what is the Catholic stance on so suicide? So the, the Catholic stance is that, um, and I know there are some more liberal parishes out there that wouldn't necessarily subscribe to this belief but um from the pope down that suicide is an unforgivable sin because you're not alive to ask for forgiveness Hmm. so but um so and i think a lot of protestant churches look at it similar to how we look at it you know Um, It's definitely something that, you know, it's not okay, but when there's poor mental health and there's other things, especially genetics, because what's always been interesting to me is, like, everybody knows of families that have had multiple suicides throughout several generations. We're learning about genetics right now in biology. Well, I wonder, though, like, does, like, all right, let's, like, say a hypothetical situation. Say if... You know, I'm me and say, like, I've had a bunch of people in my family drown. And, but say if like all those people that drowned, they committed suicide, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder though, how that impacts somebody when they do hit hard times or if they're, you know, they have some psychopathological issues going on where that comes into play, where it's like almost a pass like a rite of passage because like 
uncle so-and-so did or my dad did and I had a cousin and I had a great so it makes them it makes them are you talking about like how it makes them feel like yeah they can do it yeah or that there's like yeah like it's I don't want to say an excuse but yeah where it's almost like it's less of a sting Mm -hmm. because it has been done so much you know I, I don't know I just think it's an interesting thing to to think about well, in biology with genetics, like I won't get all into it because I still, yeah. Anyways, like with our DNA, you know, we, when we're, when our cells create more DNA or whatever, like there is a copy of the parent DNA molecule and then I don't know, just, I don't know, yeah. it's it, it's hard for me to explain, but basically in our DNA, we have basically our parents, mm-hmm. and they're linking it to, or in some cases, like, um, behavior characteristics. Yeah. And, I don't know, so, like, genetics is just interesting because we do carry, they are seeing, like, you do carry certain things like it could be you're overweight or you're more prone to addiction yeah. or you have anger issues or severe depression or, you know, even like, you know, you see families out there where like they're all really fucking successful and like make a ton of money. Like they're all fucking smart as shit and doctors, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> but you know, that yeah. are very sophisticated and educated and, and it can be like really, really good. And then there's families that suffer and it just seems to. And, and I think though, like that's an interesting thing where addiction, suicide, poor mental health, it is one of those things that um, it's like one of the least racist things. doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like in a sense, we're all susceptible to that. Some are definitely more susceptible than others, you know, for biological reasons. Yeah. Well, one thing I think that is a problem. I mean, obviously it's a problem, but like it's concerning are how young people are. Like how like there's been young as like eight, nine year olds that have committed suicide. Yeah. I mean, that's but but definitely like even like 12, 13, you know, teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary to think. It's like bullying, you know, mm-hmm. and all, it's just all a mental state. Have you, you ever know? known anybody personally that's committed suicide? I was thinking about that and I've been very lucky. You know, I, I've known people who have committed suicide, but I have never had anyone close to me yeah. commit suicide, but I have seen the suffering Yeah. that it causes. Yeah, I yeah I haven't known anybody personally um, like you. I've known a few people that their parents have or somebody in their family. My great uncle, so it'd been my grandma's brother. He attempted. Um, he shot himself in the head. The twenty-two, and mm-hmm. the way he shot, it was like in the temple, but it was angled straight instead of mm-hmm. towards the back. And he survived, but he was never, obviously never right. I never met him, but he, uh, basically was like a, like a child. Mentally handicapped. Yeah. He had to, 
he lived at home, but he had to be taken care of, you know what I mean? But other than that, you know, no, I've never, you know. Yeah. But I also know, though, like, the I've known a couple of people who have found people that have committed suicide and the effect that it's had on them by witnessing that. There's two that I know uh, significantly. One I can talk about because this person is, is deceased now as well, but, um, you know, uh, Neil Fouch, he had a, a neighbor that was he was very, very close with, and he went over to check on him and found him hanging. You know, and mm. and I remember like Neil talking about that and uh, just that experience, how that impacted him. And I know there's been studies where people that have found bodies, um, the lasting impact on that is, is significant. It's huge, you know. Yeah, I can't imagine. But, know. you know, like, so that's one thing, like with the church, um, I do think. I think the church gets a lot of things wrong, um, but I also think that the church does, the church does do some good. The church does get some things right, but suicide is one of those things that is not necessarily talked about that much, you know. Yeah, I, I can see that. Like, cause you really don't. What exactly does? It say about suicide in Christianity. In the Bible? Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of, but like exactly. There, I mean, there's no direct quote, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so um, a lot of people will bring up the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt not kill. Right, um, okay. But what I always, when I looked at suicide, um, I would think of the story in the Old Testament about Samson. Samson, you know, he had this the strength, the strength was in his hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some allegorical stuff in this, um, in the story, but I also think there's some literal stuff and essentially he was betrayed, but he was very, very strong. And, um, essentially though, he basically pushed down a, a structure, you could say a building, but, um, on top of himself and killed himself. And I would say, a lot of theologians wouldn't agree with this, but I know a lot would. I would say that uh, God did give him the strength to kill himself. Obviously, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what was going on. But there's really not a whole lot of talk in the Bible about suicide. you know. And, and that's the thing. Like The Bible talks about a lot of stuff, but it also doesn't. I mean, like Jesus never talked about homosexuality. you know. And now people say, well, he talked about like, things that allude to and it's like yeah kind of but not really you know and i've heard pastors say like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be silent on things that jesus was silent about and part of me is like yeah that's kind of okay well what i mean we won't get too much into detail with the bible because we don't want to get off track but what does it say like you i know you've told me but talk about what it says exactly in the Bible, it doesn't say anything about homosexuality, but what people well, reference. I mean, it depends on what translation you read. <laughs> so, like, I can talk about Robert Abner because he's a friend of ours. And Robert and I have had intense discussions about this, and so has Brandon Pritchard and I. Um, and we bo- we all three believe that homosexuality is not a sin. So I mean, it is. I don't mean to interrupt, but it's, it's evident in nature, too. Absolutely. I mean, 
absolutely i know i mean it's yeah. just interesting and like yeah anyway go ahead well so the word homosexual so a lot of people it does say that a man shouldn't lie with another man like they lie with a woman in leviticus but it also says in that book like you shouldn't trim your beard clip the sides of your head um shouldn't eat shellfish things like that things that have an open hoof, things like that, uh, you know, chew the cud. Um, but also, that is in Leviticus. So that was to the the, um, the Jews, and that's part of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But Leviticus does have a lot of laws for uh, the priest, Levitical priest. But if you jump to the New Testament, Paul talks about in the book of Romans— in a lot of translations, it will say homosexual offenders will never inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the problem with that is, and I, we'll get a bunch of hate mail for this, right? Because mm-hmm. this is like, especially now, with like the election getting ready to happen. We'll get a bunch of hate mail for this. And this ideology um, in most churches will discredit you 100%. And you'll basically be ostracized. But the problem when... But like, uh, sorry. I know, go ahead. Well, I was just saying like with the term homosexuality. Yeah, so the problem with that is (laughs) Greek is such Mm -hmm. an expansive language. I mean, it really is, especially if you compare it to the English language. And I'm not going to act like I know much about linguistics because I don't. But there was a time that I I studied a bit of of Greek. But Robert Abner, um, he actually did a... During the, the lockdown... He did a uh, 20-minute, basically, he was taking these questions. Like, what are questions you have in the Bible? Suicide, I think, was one, but homosexuality was one. Mm -hmm. And it was, why do Christians hate homosexuals, right? And, of course, Robert marries same-sex couples. Robert, you know, has the biggest heart in the world. Um, and, And this is where I, people like Robert, I would listen to because... It wasn't about his identity, and it wasn't about his agenda. It was he—he he was searching for the truth. So the problem in the Book of Romans, where Paul says that homosexuals will never enter, and or will never inherit the kingdom of God, or enter the kingdom of God, is that in the Greek language there was no word for homosexual. Exactly. So Robert reads out of a translation called the Newly Revised Standard Version, or the NRSV. Um, but most of the other, like the ESV, the English Standard Version, the NIV, the NIV is probably the most translated uh, tr- or translation sold today. Um, I, I think it was 1984 when that came out. I know it's been revised once or twice. There's a TNIV that was thought of as heretical also. Um, and that's another story, but the King James, you know, and it's so funny because the King James wasn't the first, but that that's, that's another story. So Robert talked about that and it was like such an awesome, like 20 minute video. And he did bring up like, um, Leviticus mm-hmm. and you know, though that was something written to the Jews. So this is always funny because this is one thing I ran across where I would have so many people come up to me and it usually happened at like like uh, conventions or not conventions but like I used to have to go to this thing every year and it would be in Carmel for like two years and then it would be up in Chicago and like Bloomingdale for 
a couple years and it was like our district which was like indiana and illinois so all the churches all the pastors would have to go and it was two days long and you know sometimes it'd be okay but like the more and more i went the more and more i realized that like i i wasn't like anybody else there for the most part and you would have people come up to you and they would totally discredit you because you were covered in tattoos and then when they found out I was associated with Guy Fonz, they would discredit me after, like, Guy left the CNMA, which was fine because, like, people that judge you for that, it's like, I don't even want to talk to you. But they would always say things like, well, you know, tattoos, like it says in the Bible, and I'm not going to talk about that verse because that verse is totally taken out of context. <laughs> but Whole other episode. But what's funny is what people say is, like, if God wanted you to have that, he would have made you born with that, right? Oh my gosh. Which yeah. I thought was hilarious, right? Yeah. So you know what I'd say? <laughs> what? Because because we're American. I would say, Well, I'm assuming you're circumcised, right? And he's like, Well, yeah. And I was like, Well, you're foreskin, dude. Like you were born with foreskin, but it's okay. Did you have your kids circumcised too? I'm assuming you did. Most of them did. Well yeah, but God said no, no. That was a covenant with the Jews. Not you, dude. <laughs> You're a Gentile. So why is that okay? And so the the whole point was like you pick and choose what's okay and what's not. And as long as it fits with your lifestyle or what you've been taught and you've never really questioned a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So like here here's one thing that would happen. Every now and then you would get this like phase about suicide would be one, same sex marriage would be one. Right. And I would write sermons. My whole thing was not to get people to believe the way I believed. My whole thing was to one was to teach my my view of the truth, but also how I got to that. So when instead of going up there and saying, hey, like, I think we should you guys need to back off. You're hurting people. You know, you're hurting the, the LGBTQ community. Stop it. You know. Because if you do that with Christians, most of them, and especially where I was at, immediately would be met with resistance. So what I would do is my approach would be to hit things that would assist in that. So talk about acceptance. Talk about grace. Talk about those things of like, you know what? Like you're not the governing authority on this. And really like you're hurting people. And you don't have to believe exactly what I believe. And this goes to suicide where it's like some people do believe it's a sin. And I think there is, like, I think a majority of things reside in a gray area, not in a black or white, you know. And there's even times in your life where there's black and white things going on. And then later on in life, that same thing could be going on, but it resides in a gray area. Yeah. I don't know. I... I feel like I, I can talk about it. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I knew him when I was young, my sister's brother mm-hmm. and my sister's adopted and, you know, so her brother wasn't really my brother, but I kn- knew him when we were young and he committed suicide. Actually, they just, his year just passed and I don't want to go into detail, but he shot himself and 
he called 911 before he did it. And well, he called 911 and told them he was going to and, and did. And um, I remember my mom telling me and of course she was very upset and I was at work and I was upset and she was just talking about how or maybe this was after like a few days after but there were the police officer or the EMTs when they got there he had a look of regret like he could tell yeah I don't know I you know but it's just like one of those things like when and you know it, he was very smart and he went to college and he was married he didn't have any they didn't have any kids but very very intelligent and you know had a family that always loved and supported him and i i think he did suffer with depression though like off and on um but yeah i don't know it's just i don't know you know yeah i don't know like when someone does make that choice and then regretting it, you know? Well, that was the thing about that documentary, The Bridge, the guy that survived the jump. I forget how many feet it is to the, the Was ocean. he on the I Survived show? He, he might have been. Because there was a guy on there that survived, and but I don't remember. He lost both his legs. I don't know if he lost both of his legs, but he was he was in a wheelchair because when he hit the water, his vertebrae shattered. Okay. And and he was young. I think he was eighteen or nineteen, and he had struggled with depression, and he had attempted suicide before. And he said when he jumped off the bridge, there's only two known people to jump off that bridge and survive. One was a fucking like high school kid or a middle school kid that was on a field trip, and they were, like, telling him, like, yeah, if you jump off this, you can't survive. And he's like, oh, I, I could do it. And he jumps off, right? Well, the impact knocked him out, and there were surfers out there that saw it, and the surfers went out there and got him, or he would have drowned. Oh, my gosh. But he survived. And he's not on the documentary, you know. But this guy that did survive that was trying to commit suicide, he said as soon as he jumped off, he realized that everything in his life really wasn't that bad and could change except for the fact that he had just jumped off that bridge. Damn. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't know. I've never, you know, read up on that guy or anything, but it was like one of those things where I think it's like 130-some feet. So it, it, it's essentially... The impact is consistent with hitting concrete, you know? Yeah. Like, how many seconds does it take? I'm not for sure. I think uh, most people fall, um, it's about, for one second, they fall like 10 to 14 feet a second. Mm. So you think about a floor being 10 feet, and the way that people know that somebody has committed suicide off that bridge is when they send the police boat out there to get the body... They all have to be in hazmat suits, and they go out there, and they're you know they they've talked about putting like netting up and stuff, and I don't think they have. I'm not for sure, but I remember there's this one guy on that documentary. Um, I felt so sorry for him because he was severely depressed. He looked like a metalhead, dressed in black, had like black leather jacket on. It's like San Francisco in the summer, you know, dressed in black, had long dyed black hair. 
and he's up on the bridge and he's just pacing back and forth and and they're talking about his story as this is going on and his mom had just recently died of cancer and that was his only family member and he lived with his mom and he always wanted a wife and he met some girl on the internet he lived out east somewhere met some girl on the internet didn't work out buys a one-way ticket to san francisco with the intention i'm going to commit suicide i'm going to jump off this bridge so he goes to the golden gate bridge and there's like i mean there's a ton of people around they're just because i mean like if you go to the golden gate bridge it's like i mean it's a site you know it's an iconic bridge and then the golden gate park is right there and you go into oakland if you're going north and i mean it's cool you know very neat but um he's pacing back and forth and he stands up on the guard railing and off of the guard railing there's actually another railing on the side that was like similar to like if you're standing on like the sidewalk Mm -hmm. and he stands up on the guard railing and his back is to the water and he falls back like he's doing like a reverse swan dive and hits the water head first (gasps) but i think he paced for i think it was like 30 minutes and so that and that was like a big controversy with the documentary it was like why the fuck didn't you go up there? Like you knew this yeah. dude was going to commit suicide. And, and that's why I'm like, I don't recommend that documentary to anybody. And that was bullshit. But, and you can see like, he's contemplating like, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to do it? Like, and then he like gets up and he's like, I'm going to do it. And then it was almost like he just fell into the abyss or the void where he just exited the world. You know, like this reverse swan dive. And there was, because a lot of people when they jump off, you'll see their arms flailing. Um, And some people, you'll just see them like holding themselves in the air, kind of like they're trying to cradle a baby. And he was just like, it was almost like, yeah, just like open arms, like, I want to enter death, you know? So that's such a sad, tragic Mm. thing. And I think that's like with suicide where, Nobody knows what's going on in your mind, you know, like. Yeah. And like also, too, when you think talk about mental illness, like people who are like severe schizophrenic. Yeah. And see things and hear things and like, you know, can't live a normal life and always think someone's going to kill them or, you know, stalking them or whatever. Yeah. That's, That's why I think, though, I'm not talking about racial things here so when i say that we're we are not all equal we are in the sense that we all have the right to live and should have the access to be happy and education and health care and and be able to better ourselves but but what i mean is that we're not all equal is that our genetics are not all equal and mm-hmm. there are people that suffer like you said from psychopathological curses you know and I don't know, this This is um, probably a, this might make people mad too, but another thing, like, people who, this goes along with abortion, or say you're pregnant, yeah. and you know you're going to have a baby, and your child is going to be severely handicapped. Yeah. And, but would live. Yeah. You know? I've worked, I was a CNA, I have been around mentally handicapped children. I've been around many mentally handicapped adults 
or even, you know, they're in a wheelchair from, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things like, would you want your child to live like that? Or what if you were them? Would you want to live a life like that? You know what I mean? So when it comes to abortion, I could understand, like, and this is totally off topic, of no, what we're, no. but it's, you know, but even like, so like life and death, you know, but even like someone, you know what I mean? Like, but they can't make that choice. Well, I have a story about that. Um, Carrie Pritchard had a sister. She was adopted. And if I, re- her name was Ashley. And if I remember correctly, something happened during birth. And I don't know if the oxygen was cut off, like the cord was wrapped around. I don't know. Something, though. And there was some, I think there was some malpractice going on. Carrie's mom, Pat, um, adopted, started out fostering, but adopted Ashley. And Ashley lived to be, man, I can't remember. I think she was like 23 or 24. But she was bedridden um, and ate through a feeding tube, you know, had a, a nurse 24 hours a day. So, but the other side of that is I saw firsthand the happiness and joy that Ashley brought to people. She would smile. Mm-hmm. She would laugh. Carrie would read to her and sing to her. Yeah. I, it was like a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, because it's weird. Like, when I think of abortion, I am, I'm pro-choice, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not for abortion, you know? Yeah, I'm the same. But I'm not. You know, I'm I'm not pro life either. And I know that makes some people like we they they're like, how can you not? And I'm like, well, it's not that. But like you said, like I understand, like I understand people that you know they have no means and they're scared and they're fearful and they go and get an abortion. I understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been in a situation where it's like where I had to make any kind of decision like that I mean you know I had to take Tisha off life support but that was a different circumstance but I was like the and there for a little while after that happened I it would run through your mind like well did I really like make the right call at the right time you know and I did but at first you you really question all those things yeah and but like that's my my issue with like a lot of these things like suicide, abortion, life and death, you know, it's not as easy as we, you know, like you see these politicians and they say these, these one liners and they say one liners to very complicated circumstances and issues that can't be resolved with a one liner can't be resolved with populism. It just won't happen. This makes me think of mov- of, of uh, one of my favorite movies, and I've talked about it before. It's What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. I love this movie. And actually, sometimes, like, you know, with my beliefs and stuff, and I read, I was actually reading some things the other day talking about, someone posted on Facebook, what do you, what do you think happens after you die or after we die? And I was reading through the comments, and I commented on it, and I said, energy never dies because that's just, I, I, I believe in energy, you know? And yeah energy is all around us and it changes form but it can't necessarily die so but anyways what dreams may come um 
or what I was reading is like people, some people were, were commenting how they believe that our brain is like a computer, which I can see that. And like when we die, they were saying like, they think, um, our memories play out for so long and eventually it burns out and everybody's different. Yeah. And I can see that. But I, and then other, and then they say, and then there's just complete nothingness and complete black that I don't believe, you know? Um, but anyways, back to the movie, uh, in the movie, his wife commits suicide and she goes to hell and, but it's like her own hell. It was her own mind that was keeping her trapped in her, in her own hell. And it was like the home that they had lived in, but it was completely trashed and like gross and dark and gloomy. And she was terrified of spiders. So there was like spiders everywhere and, and she was alone and confused, you know, like, yeah. and that's like kind of what I wonder, like if someone's afterlife is affected by their mental state when they die. You know? Yeah. But like, but not to the point to where they're like condemned or in hell because they did something wrong. But it's because of possibly how dark their mind was, which I don't know if someone's mind can be so dark that it they're going to spend the afterlife in darkness. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, Do you think, though, the afterlife... Because I, I think a lot of this, and I think religion tries to answer this question, but and just this like mentality of righting a wrong or punishment and reward. So like you know the obvious of like tyrants like Adolf Hitler or somebody, you know. Do you think that they could go to the same place as you? When no. You die? No, and like that's kind of where I was getting at, like with the th- with the mind. Like, Hitler was obviously, like, a bad person. Like, just a bad person. Like, there's bad people that have no good, you know. They might have a wife or have kids and love their family. I don't know. But, like, I really... Treat their dogs well. All those fucking Nazis. (laughs) Treat their dogs so well. But, like, I really just think that there are people who are bad and evil. And their mind is not right. You know, they're sick or whatever. But when someone dies, if it is partly like has to do with our, not just our energy or our soul, but our mind, because there's, the mind is a very like, I don't know, fascinating thing, but someone who's very like evil, you know, even like, I don't know, I could get into like pedophiles and all this, but then you can also go to say it's a mental illness, but at the same time, it's. You can help, like you can fucking control that shit. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that you, I, I think you can. Yeah, but when you die, if someone's so evil, like their thoughts will create their hell because they're just evil, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to explain it. But then someone, like, say, commits commits suicide, and they're not bad, like, but they're just depressed and alone, and that was the only way out, and that's the only way they felt they could be happy. I feel like they will still be in in their own kind of heaven, you know, yeah. because that's what they were wanting, you know. Well, I'm gonna I want to throw I want to get your input on this. So I'm gonna give you 
because I was watching something while you were at that photo shoot tonight. And um, we'll talk about Kurt Cobain's suicide. I watched this video that Chris Novoselic did. Um, I think it was with Spin Magazine, actually, um, here just in the past couple weeks. And they asked him, like, hey, uh, would you think if, you know, Kurt was still around, you guys would still be playing? And he's like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe we'd suck. And uh, But he started asking him about that time. And you could tell, you know, Chris, he, he went to school with Kurt. I think they met, like, in eighth grade or seventh grade. And, and he loved him, you know, like, genuinely loved him. And he said, you know, Kurt should have never did what he did. He shouldn't have done that. And he said, you know, I, the times I saw him leading up to that, he wasn't Kurt. And he was like, the heroin, he's like, you know, he tried to commit suicide in Rome. And he's like, after that, he was like, every time I saw him, he wasn't Kurt, he wasn't right. So, flash forward to Kurt Cobain committing suicide, and I took you to the house, you know. And so, he walked out of that back door with a 20-gauge shotgun, and he had a can of Barks root beer, and he had cigarettes and, and dope. And he went up in the greenhouse above the garage that is no longer standing. Courtney Love had it tore down. But he went up, assuming he wrote the suicide note up there, and then he put it in basically a plant box and put a red pen through the paper into the dirt, laid out his... Washington State driver's license and his chain wallet and he had a cigar box filled with all his fucking dope shit and drank that root beer there was a half Japanese um, CD player in the CD player they don't know if he was listening to it at the time or it was just in there you know yeah. it was on but it wasn't playing because you know he they found him a few days later but shoots a bunch of dope right and then commit suicide. So, I always wondered though, like, he was, I'm assuming he was high, somewhat. You know, and they always try to say there was so much dope in the system that he couldn't operate a shotgun. That's not true. So, at the time of his death, it's well documented that that dude was shooting $500 of dope a day. Damn. 1994, $500. I'm assuming today that would, what, be maybe 1200 bucks or something? I honestly don't know, babe. I mean, in 1994, I had a job working for a vending company, and, and I didn't work there that much. But <laughs> during like the summer, and my minimum wage was three seventy five, and I made four twenty five. So I made fifty cents more an hour than minimum wage. So minimum wage was three seventy five, and I don't know how much a gallon of gas was, but I'm sure it was like fifty to seventy cents. You know? Yeah. And so to think, all of the stuff. Uh, never mind like the pressure that that guy was under f for being I mean he couldn't go anywhere he's famous you know but just like the, the mental state you would be in from using heroin that much and for that long and then to commit suicide so say if like he was really high there for a, a few minutes while he was loading the gun and contemplating doing it and then he pulls the trigger because he was sitting on the floor and his legs were out and they think he 
there's a discharge um, when that gun went off. He did it with his thumb. Yeah. And when that gun kicked, it scraped his thumb. And you can see that, like, on post-mortem pictures of yeah. the suicide. But I always wondered, like, so he's high, and immediately he's not. And then I wondered, like, because I, I, I don't think he went to hell. And I don't say that just because, I don't like, either, yeah. I love his music. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think he went to hell. But, like, immediately some people believe. I know, like, Frank Reber believes, like, this existence we have right now really, it means something, but it doesn't at the same time in a cosmic spectrum. So he would believe that you just, it's life is over with, and maybe it goes black, but there's no afterlife in the sense, because we talked about it before. Maybe that's changed in the last six months, but I always wondered, like, when Kurt died, entered the afterlife, if he was like, I wish I wouldn't have ended my life. You know, I wish I would have stuck it out. Yeah. You know? I'm I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like that or would be, you yeah. know? I don't know. Like, and when, if we got into the whole paranormal part of it, you know, you have people who have, who have died and been brought back, you know, and have stories of like what they've seen and, some people have seen heaven and other people have seen nothing and um, others have like been a, like actually went somewhere else and saw their family members and then it was proved like they actually did see yeah. their family members doing that. You know, I, I don't know specifically off the top of my head, but that's interesting, you know, like, yeah. Um, but, or even family members that have experience, experiences of loved ones who have passed away. Um, I think, I mean, obviously that's something that is mis no one understands and I don't know if anyone ever will, but like the energy between you and a loved one that exists, I, you know, I, I don't know how it is that you can actually see them because you have friends that have seen friends who have died. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and I don't know, it's just when it, when we talk about the afterlife, you know, if it is just your thoughts, I think it's more than just your thoughts, but it has something to do with the energy that is around us that we don't see. I always wonder like when you die, like after you die, if you're like, man, that really wasn't that bad. Why did I worry about this my whole life? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Well, and that kind of goes like if people, you know do commit suicide and yeah. they regret it they hang around because they're mad yeah and they feel they're sorry and they want you know i don't know yeah uh, yeah i know it's an interesting thing it's funny though like i mean suicide's such a a dark topic you know I, and i know like because of covid suicide has gone up as well you know yeah i've o ods have skyrocketed unfortunately yeah, it's a sad thing. I mean, like I said, I've I'm lucky. I've I've not suffered too much from addiction myself. Um, but like I definitely have de depression and anxiety. Um, yeah. And you know, I've I've acted self-harm and stuff before, but I think I've always been lucky to be stable enough to know that I needed to get help, so I did. 
you know, and yeah. I always have the support and the resources that I need. Yeah. And I've never been like to the point where I wanted to end my life, but yeah. Well, I think it's something that is, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to sit here and, and make, you know, like assumptions and, and I think a lot of people do this without ever having, you know, because I think one thing that always changes a lot of people's perceptions about things is when they have a loved one go through that. Drug addiction is a very common thing where you have a parent that they have these hard, rigid things, and then all of a sudden they have a son or a grandson that has committed suicide. And due to that, it makes them view things differently. You know, and I'll, when I was a pastor, there was a very, um, a very widely known pastor. His name was Rick Warren. He wrote some books, very best-selling books. Um, but he had a son who committed suicide, and and the way he talked about it, it was, I thought it was really really neat the way he talked about it. You know, his son had struggled for years with emotional issues and just very very uh, traumatic mental health stuff and when he committed suicide um yeah I, I can't remember the letter he wrote but it was just interesting how some people reacted yeah and it was like is it, he the one that wrote the letter like i just wanted to no that's somebody else oh, okay um I, I i didn't know rick i mean rick's like uh Rick's like a like a very famous like author. Oh. <laughs> um my bad. No. <laughs> I, I know who you're talking about though, but we we can't talk about that. It's not my place. Maybe one day we'll get him on. But you know, it's just like that. Or it's like the same thing when you like you have this like hard rigid like you know, grandpa or dad that is pissed off that you know, they're so homophobic and stuff, and all of a sudden, like, their daughter or their son is gay, and then all of a sudden, they, like, it forces them to change, you know, like, to view things differently. Yeah, it's a different you perspective. Know? Yeah. Like, because yeah. your life is different, you know? I mean, not different, but, you know, like, I don't know. When, just like your experience with Tisha, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, everyone tried to tell you how to heal or what you should do or have done or whatever, or how you're supposed to be feeling. But it's not like they've been through what you went through. You yeah. Know? And so no one can really understand. And I, I think like that aspect of things is where I really try to sit and stay in life where it's like, I don't know you know, exactly what somebody's going through. Even if I've been through things that they've been through, I still cannot fully be in their shoes. So the idea of just being there for somebody, um, because I'll, I'll say something about some something that you referenced a little while ago about a suicide where somebody, people in that church were telling them, this person is in hell. And I was like, what the fuck good does that do? You know what I mean? Like, well, Because I, I would have people ask me that. Like, they would have a grandson overdose and die, or they'd have an uncle that overdosed and died, and they would ask me, is, is he in hell? You know? And that's an unanswerable question, one. 
but you can answer it that gives people comfort or you can answer it that hurts people. And so instead of saying, I can't answer that, you say, man, I don't think so. And and, and you're not lying, you know, because like, I, I love it how, I love it how humans, all, they just take on this like fucking, like all of a sudden, like they put this code on, like oh, I'm the, the governing authority on the afterlife and, you know, like what I happens get to say, to people? yeah. <laughs> And like I get to say, like who goes to hell and and who goes to heaven, and you know I I, I never that was I never that never sit well with me because it was always like it's not up to you. But what was always funny though when people talk about suicide and same way with abortion, they're always so pro capital punishment, <laughs> you know where it's like, well an eye for an eye, and we talked about this the other day, and it's like ah oh, you're taking that out of context, dude, <laughs> like again to fit your agenda or to fit your ideology um you know i right now i think america and probably the rest of the world you know it's a pretty unstable place i don't know if it's ever been a stable place uh, as a whole but right now um you know we're experiencing as a nation a lot of growing pains slash Mm -hmm. just pains in general due to covid and just due to just opposing viewpoints and beliefs and you know you have people on one side and they all want to kill each other and you know to me I I know we've talked about this but like I'm not a Republican or a Democrat I'm not a liberal I'm not a libertarian I'm not a socialist I'm not a communist I'm not any of those things but what I am is I don't want to do things that hurt people you know yeah. And if it's hurting somebody, then it's wrong. And if it's, whether it's from a systemic point or just like inadvertently, if it's hurting somebody, it's wrong. I mean, that's, to me, that's fairly easy to see. Like yes. if I do point A and by the time I get to point B, it's hurting point C and D, then I need to not do whatever the hell I'm doing it is in point A, you know? I, I you know, babe, like I look at that, like I'm going to talk about Flynn for a second. So my son, who is four, um, which we've talked about on here before, but, you know, he's going through a period right now where he's very, um, defiant, very defiant. Yeah. And, you know, Michaela was not like that. So this is a new experience for me. And it's one that really challenges my beliefs because like it ruins my day. Like when you got to like spank or yell or just always like in trouble yeah because the reality for me is i want to sit down and i want to rationalize things but the problem is rationality sometimes is not evident to to a four-year-old fuck it's not evident to a 50-year-old sometimes right yeah but you know like you were at that photo shoot tonight and flynn was being like he was just being really good really sweet but still being a punk but being good. And I'm sitting there with him, and he wants to take a bath. So I get him in the bath. I'm like, you got to wash your hair. And I'm washing his hair. And he's like, will you just sit down on the toilet and just watch me play? And that's like one of the most, um, I think like that statement right there, like will you just sit and watch me play, is one of the most like innocent like statements a kid could say. 
and, and but it also shows that he trusts me. So and I was like, yeah, man. So I'm sitting there and I'm just talking to him about nothing and everything, you know. Yeah. Four year old minds work, but it made me think, like, you know, how I want him to be and how I want him to do is how I taught Michaela how I want her to be, how I want her to be towards people, how I want her to question things. You know, I always, I, I always drove in on Michaela like you need to question God you need to question all this stuff you need to question the existence of God because that process is uncomfortable and being uncomfortable will get you to where you need to be and then where you need to be at that moment will change and it'll start over again that's just the process of life that's also like the bitch of life too right right (laughs) so when I talk to Flynn when I do things with him whether it's like I tell him not to do something or we're just playing. In my mind, I always think about what am I doing now that's going to impact him when he's 10 years old? Or what am I doing now that's going to impact him when he's 25 years old and he has a kid of his own or he has a bunch of kids? And how will what I'm doing now set him up for health in the future? Because that's the goal is health, mental health. I mean, you know, of right, course right. physical health, but sometimes that's out of our control but mental health with with him where what am i doing now you know and then they become a teenager and all that shit goes out the fucking window because teenagers (laughs) are fucking crazy (laughs) i think of the perry farrell started a band after uh jane's addiction called porno for pyros and there's a song called pets and they played it on the radio but it was always like the the censored version and then when I got like the actual, I, I got the tape, my brother got it for me actually, when I was in eighth grade and it says, children are innocent, yeah, teenagers are fucked up in the head, <laughs> adults are even more fucked up, and elder, it says, and elderlies are like children, and it's like, yeah, that's really true, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when you think about it. Well, I mean, I don't know, what time are we at, babe? This is a long one. I know. That's all right because we've we've missed we've missed for good reasons, but That's we've true. still Anyways. We've still missed We're like in 10 minutes. Well, it's no just, Austin Glidden time, we'll just say that. <laughs> well, I was just going to say like um I don't know, life is hard, man. Like when you think about like you said teenagers are, fuck, are fucked up in the head and adults are even more fucked up. Life is hard. And yeah. it's, it, it sucks a lot sometimes, but it's also like, you know what I mean? Like it's, our life is really good and I'm thankful and blessed and it's not like our life sucks, but I'm just saying it, it does suck for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. And especially right now with COVID, you know, people getting evicted, people losing their jobs, you know, losing food stamps, losing whatever health insurance. Yeah. Um, you know, and then people getting sick on top of it and not having, you know, I don't know. It's just crazy. And life, you know, when you think about it, it just makes it hard. And a lot of people. That's why I like talking about suicide though. And things like this though, because it does help put things in perspective where like a lot of people feel the same. Well, not the same, but I'm just saying like a lot of people deal with these things and don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's like the worst thing you can do on anything is 
to suppress it, to not talk about it. Yeah, and it takes more than a Bible verse to, you know, <laughs> get well, through the darkness. I, you know, I think like uh, in my experience, like I've always been fortunate because I've had people like my parents and I've had friends, you know, that were were there. And I always wondered like on a lot of my trials and just tribulations in life, like if I didn't have that and if I didn't have some of the things that were already instilled in me before i mean it'd be a the outcome would have been very different so what i have i've been given and it's really none of my account but there's a lot of people out there that have been given way way less you know just from a emotional perspective you know i mean i i say that shit every and day the sad work. thing like i don't know i mean there's so many things it's not just one but i think the reason behind most human suffering is because of humans yeah you know yeah um i really i don't know with being a human you know you i think all humans can be beasts and be evil yeah um but like i don't know i i don't feel like I don't know if we ever could have like a world where everyone loved and you know there was nothing bad that happened yeah because that's just being human yeah absolutely um but I do feel like there the world shouldn't be the way it is but in like that that kind of like just concept of like the world like Part of the human experience is evil and being bad or doing bad things. To me, that always pointed towards a God, you know, and never for some people that points away from a God, that kind of like the question, like, how could this happen because of, you know, or how could a loving God do this? You know, for me, I always it pointed the other way. Well, my thing like okay with me being in biology and learning about genetics and just everything that I've already learned and to be honest with you I'm struggling in that class <laughs> and I love it it's interesting but I am so I I can't really talk a lot about it because I'm still like it's, a lot of it is oblivious to me but what exists inside of a cell and like you know with our genetics or our DNA and like the double helix and how it's structured and how it works yeah. is like, I don't have a fucking clue what or who God is, but you can't see these things, but yeah. for how, like if you were to put it in our, like, I don't know, like just what is invisible to the human eye. Yeah. It's just hard to think about it. Yeah. You know, but like, I can't remember, but the length of like our DNA, if you were to actually stretch it out and we were to actually see it, it would like go from here to the moon so many times or something crazy like that, you know? And I can't think of like the micro, like the actual like measurement yeah of how these cells are measured or whatever but it's just you know what i mean like when you when i think about that 
Like I shared a video on Facebook the other day about apoptosis, which is cell suicide, and it just showed it was course of an, a an animation, but it was just giving you an idea of what happens inside of a cell, and it's like a fucking whole other universe, you know, yeah. and that is amazing, and that is like shows me God, you know, like yeah. something intelligent is behind that design. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and like the way the universe works, there's a system, you know, with birth and death, and you know, dying, and no, I'm not gonna say like reincarnation and becoming something else because that's not what I mean, but like I don't know, just the process of. Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm trying not to get too like I can't think of the word. I don't know, but just like this, you know, a s like the apoptosis, the cell can die, and it dies, but it becomes something else. It does ends up doing another job, or just you know, yeah, or more cells are created. You know, it's just it's a never ending process. You know what we should what you should do what is uh. It would be cool. It's cool. We got these new mics, but that board that's coming, we can do a like turn the Bluetooth on and accept like Zoom and phone calls in. It would come right through Logic mm -hmm. and everything. But it'd be cooler if they could come here and do it in person. But get one of your professors, have them come on here. Oh yeah. And talk about that. I mean, I know it's really hard because everybody's so busy, but talk about that aspect of things because like all that sh like all that like shit is so interesting and cool can i say something else yeah <laughs> made me think of it well and like and this is kind of down the path of what i'm wanting to do you know because like I'm exercise science but i'm like i really believe we can heal ourselves but i think like yourselves regenerating and, he, you know, we we lose, like, I don't know if it's millions or billions of cells every day. Mm -hmm. And then the same, or I don't know, are, are reproduced and new cells. Yeah. You know, and this is all happening inside our body as we speak. Yeah. You know, and just so much is going on without us even knowing. And, like, and just, like, if you were to shed us all apart <laughs> yeah. into pieces, like, from yeah. us to what we really are. You know, I don't know. It's just when you get in deep like that, it really is like you question a lot of things, but it's not like a it's not like a bad questioning where you don't believe in something. At least, well, I know there's some biologists out there who don't believe in anything because of that. That. Yeah. But to me, that is like God, you know, because we've talked about it. There's just a really intelligent design and you know, and like I was saying before, there is a endless cycle, and we learn about that, like, at the beginning of the semester. Don't ask me to use the correct terminology, but yeah. just talking about, you know, the energy, photosynthesis, and plants. You know, we can't live without plants, and, you know, and that we can start talking about like eating meat, you know, certain yeah. meat, you know, it's, you know, do you think a fucking tiger cares if they kill a human kind of thing? Yeah. But like, 
nothing against veganism. I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's you got to think about like we've talked about this. Like, if we're driving down the road and you hit a squirrel, yeah. But if you are driving down the road and you hit a kid, yeah. Are you gonna, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which one's gonna weigh heavier? Yeah. They're not gonna be equal. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So. Yeah, you hit a squirrel, you're like, that sucks. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I love animals, and I'm like, oh man, and even if you hit a squirrel and then you hit a dog, yeah, you know, I'd rather hit a squirrel than a dog. Yeah, so there's like this whole consciousness type, yeah, uh, like level, but yeah, if you hit a kid and you kill that kid, yeah, I mean, even if you don't kill that kid, it'll change you forever. Yeah. And that kind of was like totally thrown off what I was talking about, but, but still like there's this endless cycle of continuous, like you're born, you, you, you live, you're here to do whatever it is you're supposed to do. And then you die. That is true for humans. That's true for animals. That's true for your fucking cells, your, your organs, like, you know, which obviously your cells form tissues and tissues form organs and yada, yada. But it's all like, it's all a system. Yeah. It's all a system. And it, I don't know. Anyway. No, you know, like, and that's the thing, though, like, because all that shit is so cool and so interesting. But <laughs> it goes over my head. Babe. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I know, like, the, I don't even, I couldn't even say that I know the basics because I don't. Well, and, like, we can get into the whole evolution. Like, oh, my God, yeah. this is, like, a whole other episode. But back to apoptosis like in embryonic development you know apoptosis occurs you know when we start to develop our limbs you know of course we don't have digits or fingers right away we have just little blobs and then they form and they they almost look like you know like little paws well what happens is apoptosis i don't know if it's because of evolution or i mean it is because of evolution but because that's how this is able to occur, or at least that's what they they said, I guess. But the apoptosis in humans, or depending on what mammal, occurs more on the hands and toes because what happens is apoptosis occurs in the areas between our fingers, and those cells die, and that's how we get our fingers. Really? And then, yeah, and then, like, with water mammals or, you know, like ducks or animals with web feet or humans who are born with web feet it's because there was a an error in development yeah so apoptosis didn't happen like it was supposed to but that's why mammals near water have that happen less because they need that to be able to swim or survive through water or whatever because they've adapted to that environment and it makes me think, like, if you look at our fingers, we don't have web fingers, obviously. But have you ever seen that documentary where we were, like, evolved from mermaids? Yeah. That was so yeah. dumb. Like, it was interesting, but the <laughs> whole, I was so pissed when I saw that because I was so, like, looking forward to watching that. And then the, the like, the effects in it were so fake. Yeah. And you could tell it was fake. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. But mermaids. anyway, it's interesting. Yes. Well, you want to end it? Yep. I think that was good. Well. Yeah, I do too. Thank you for listening. And you can email us at. 
thepastorandthewitch at gmail.com. And um, you can like our Facebook page, The Pastor and the Witch Podcast, and we will see you next week.